You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Now I invite you to take a few minutes to listen as Nancy Kale gets ready to read to us what I think is such an important part of the scripture because it gives to us a glimpse of the church, the church we would have gone to perhaps in the first century, right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here in Acts, we get one of those moments where we hear a description of what they did, what was the character of of their community. As Nancy reads this passage to you, I want you to embrace this short glimpse, quick snapshot of our predecessors of faith, those who gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ, just as we are now. Hear that description and consider it as an invitation. Nancy, thank you for your great leadership in our missions ministry throughout all these years and for sharing with us this scripture right now. A reading from the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, verses 32 through 34. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Loving God, we ask a simple prayer. That like everything else in our life, we would be able to turn this moment over to you. And what we offer, both the words that I'm going to share, and the spirit behind them, and also our willingness to listen and receive, all those would be enhanced and blessed, transformed even, by your presence and by the movement of the Holy Spirit. So bless all that is before us, and bless us now in this moment of reflection. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. The other night, Laura and I found on Netflix a a documentary, a two-part documentary on babies. And because we, I guess, probably have been missing holding babies, we watched it. It was fascinating. <coughs> it was fascinating to consider how new studies and work with infants is revealing more and more about what we didn't know in terms of what they thought and really what they were going through in the first year on earth. Now, in addition to being able to watch some beautiful, cute babies in a variety of countries in this documentary, we also learned some things, learned what they're learning about babies, including the fact that when babies come into the world, they quickly begin to understand, and maybe some scientists would even suggest, bring with them into the world some predisposed expectations. And then in their first year, spend time having those expectations confirmed or adjusted as they see what the world is like through the eyes that are so expressive and searching and revealing 
Now, if you want to watch that on uh, Netflix, you can go do that on your own time. And I would encourage it because it was fascinating. But I'm not going to get into all the studies they did or how they did their research. I just want to share with you, I found it amazing to consider the fact that babies come into the world with an openness, with an ability to see things that after the first year they can no longer see. For example, and again, I'm not going to defend this because I'm not the scientist, I'm just reflecting what it said. The babies in their first year of life are able to discern the differences in people that you and I, and in animals that you and I would not be able to discern differences. The example they used was monkeys, and when they were showing the monkeys that they were talking about, they looked like the same to me. I couldn't tell the difference between them, but they said that babies can tell the difference which monkey is which monkey. And that gets applied to how they begin to identify human beings. They begin to identify and can notice the differences, the nuances in human beings in a way that is more clear and defined in their earliest months of life. And by the time they've gotten to through their first year, that has sort of dropped away. And they begin to focus on a far narrow range of human beings family, their caregivers, etc. And in that first year, the premise of this documentary is this. Babies have the ability to, at a very broad level, receive reality as, the, as it is and then adjust to it as they need to for their own survival and for their own way of navigating the world that they can see. They observe with intent, and get bored at things that no longer give them new information. The point is this. In that first year, babies have both this dynamic part of their life where there are ways in which they can see the world that they'll never see it again. And they also learn to begin to adapt to the world at a speed and competency that before we were not even fully aware of. It's amazing to think about what babies bring into the world, how they understand reality, how they begin to be clear about what defines their understanding of reality. And though this wasn't a documentary, I began thinking later, wouldn't it be wonderful if babies could both hold on to and remember what they entered the world with and alongside it put what they've learned in that first year. What if they could remember the way in which they could embrace the world with newness and with complete objectivity? And then as they continue to grow in their life, put alongside that their learnings. For people to be able to do that as adults would be an amazing gift for us to both remember that which we have forgotten and be open to the new learnings yet to be revealed to us. It has often been said, and it is true in my case, that if I could only remember everything that I've forgotten in my life, I'd be a much smarter man. If I could just remember everything that I've forgotten, that would bring me up far faster in the ability to navigate life and understand reality around me, to reflect more clearly. And then if I could also at the same time bring in new learnings, 
keeping my curiosity and put those together, can you imagine what your life would be like if you could hold on to everything that you've forgotten, everything that you've remembered, and add to it everything you could yet learn? For us, as Christians, the Scriptures invite us into that moment where by going into Scripture, we can remember things that we've forgotten. We can begin to be reminded of our history. We can begin reminded of the way we are called to be, living our faith, witnessing our faith. And we can be open to the power of the Holy Spirit to come and reveal to us things we didn't see before, couldn't have known before. When we come to Scripture, for me at least, that's the gift that it brings. It both grounds me in the foundation of that which I used to know, which I claim to today, and keeps me clear that the possibilities in front of me are still there, and I can look forward to what they will reveal as well. The scripture for today is one of those powerful examples. As Nancy read it to you from uh, Acts 4, we get a glimpse into the early Christian community, and it's, it's a rare glimpse. We don't normally get to see the, the church. We see stories of Peter and Paul going out, but what's happening at home? How are they living? And of course, this is a very unique moment in the life of the church. They are gathered together. They are in Jerusalem, and they are living in a way which speaks deep faith and a transformational way to live their life in the world. This commitment to each other, this commitment to the faith that they shared, this commitment to be sold out entirely to what they believe, to be all in completely to following Jesus Christ as the Lord and committed to each other, called them to live in such a unique community that in fact the truth is this is a glimpse of the church in a moment. And they weren't able to sustain this way of living indefinitely. It changed. So we go back to this moment to remember what was it like. And of course, it's powerful to think that everyone believed where one heart and soul, they were in it together, completely of one heart and mind. And they believed that everything they had belonged to everyone together. There was not a needy person among them. Because if there was any need... The church came together with their resources, put them together, and met the need. They surrendered everything that they had and laid them at the feet of the apostles and trusted them because they were trustworthy. Then use those resources to make sure that all were cared for. Now, the truth is, this is a communal response. This is a church caring for each other. But it soon, according to Scripture, branched out. <coughs> When people learn that folks could come to this community of believers and find that their compassion and love for others would also be given to them, their willingness to meet need was not kept just to the inner circle, but once shared there, expanded to others. That's why Peter goes out and begins healing in the name of Jesus, because you can't just keep for yourself what God has so richly blessed you with. Now, how did they find and have that kind of intense faith with each other? Well, let's be clear. They'd gone through an awful lot with each other. Together, they had gone through what you and I call the final life, final months of the life of Jesus Christ. They were there. 
witnessed and heard the stories about Holy Week. They knew, experienced, were crushed at the moment of his death and crucifixion. They were exalted and stunned and shocked at the moment of resurrection. They were there when they were gathered together in Jerusalem and the gift of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they were literally caught on fire spiritually by the presence of the living Lord in the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this power that had come upon them began to go through them such that Peter had already been out healing people of illnesses in the name of Jesus Christ. That the church had prayed for boldness. What an interesting concept. The church, which all too often is portrayed as coming together to pray out of fear, to pray out of timidness, to pray out of concern for each other, all of which may in fact be a part of where we're living. But the church praying for boldness, don't let us be slow or, or uh, without passion in this time. Lord, let us be bold with our faith because they were inspired. They'd gone through all that together. So yes, they were a unique community living in a unique time. But for us, they become a reminder and an invitation. This is what the church was. This is what the church is called to be in every generation. Recognizing that we come and bring our lives together from a variety of places. We do not all have the same historical experiences. We don't have the same stories. We aren't living our life daily, 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 hourly, hourly, hourly together. It's more we're out there doing our thing, get together for a short period of time, and then scatter again. And so it's hard to replicate to think about how we could live the way they lived back then. But this scripture serves as an invitation and a reminder. Here's how they used to do it. And if you want to find your vitality, if you want to find excitement, if you want to find boldness in your life, if you want to find the true identity of who you are called to be as disciples of Jesus Christ in the world, then begin to imitate what they did. Do what they did become who they were to the extent that you can and there you will recapture and also receive in a new way the very unique gifts that God wants to give you in this moment in time. That's what this scripture reminds us and that's why the unique character of the church is for us to come together when we do to remember who we are and ultimately ground ourselves in living this radical way that says whatever else we do we will be focused on meeting the needs of any around us as to the extent that we're able to do that. We will imitate the church. Back in that day when it says they had and distributed to each as any had need. To do that, not only neighbor to neighbor, not only church member to church member, but literally any place where God leads us to meet need is the way in which we understand we can replicate what the church has always been called to be. That's why we are involved in mission. We believe that the church is called to replicate and repeat and renew and find new ways to live out the example of the early church back in Jerusalem. We believe that that's where not only we as a community find our strength and power, but individually we do so. 
I know you've heard it said and probably thought it yourself. I know I have. Sometimes the way in which I can feel best about myself is when I help others. It feels good to help and care for others. And it does. But this is more than just about feeling good. This gets to our identity. It gets more to an understanding of how we live, not rather in those rare moments where we might find ourselves feeling extra generous or finding ourselves capable of maybe taking a moment to care for someone else. This goes deeper than that. And the reason that the church is so focused on missions is because we believe it's the best way to replicate what the early church taught us by example and experienced in their own faith. That when we are coming together, connected to each other in Christ, claiming whatever shared history we might have and saying we're going to go out and share that with others, it is there that our life is vitalized. It is there that we're able to help change the world the way in which Christ would have us do that. And it's an opportunity for us to experience what only can be experienced when we too have surrendered ourselves to the living Christ. That's why we are so focused on mission in this church. It isn't just because we want to do nice things. It isn't because we have some resources once in a while we can scatter around. It's because our very lifeblood depends on it. Because if you were to take away missions from our church, if you were to take away the ability for us to do missions together with each other, I would tell you the very fabric of the community that we have here would cease to be in any real sense a church. It might be a nice educational society, it would be a nice social club, but it would lose its vitality because faith simply talked about and not shared is not real faith. It's academic study. And faith shared only with each other and no one else is anathema to the gospel. But when the church says, this is who we are and what we're going to be about, we begin to remember who we were and begin to feel revealed to us a new way to live. That's who we are as a church. We are people of that way. That's what they used to call the early Christians. Before they were even called Christians, they were known as people of the way, the way to live. This is the way to follow Jesus Christ. That's how they did it. We are people of the way, seeking to follow the way, the path, to live our faith fully and completely in the world today. In our commonality is where we find affirmation for the uniqueness that we all bring as individuals. Yes, that's critical. But we also find a powerful sense of community where together we are able to do so much more than we can do on our own. Over the years, I've thought about all the mission trips I've been on and the places where that has so blessed me. And I thought about what were the greatest values of those trips. Part of it was the community that was built. It's the memories that I had with the people that I went and spent time with. I think, <coughs> I think of being in Haiti with people from this congregation. I think of being down in the Sea Islands in South Carolina. I think about being in the mountains in the Appalachian uh, 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 mountain cha uh, chain. I think about being down at uh, Redbird Mission. I think about the places where I've been able to go with teenagers and adults to find there new ways of getting to know each other, to building shared memories that bound and connected us, well, from that moment to even this one. That's a powerful experience. But I've also known what it is by going out in mission and being part of the mission of the church 
to be able to experience what it is to be welcomed into another community and not be an outsider. I remember uh, uh, sitting on the beach, invited by the community that we were serving to come and uh, eat crabs. And what a party broke out, and the music was wonderful. And we weren't the outsiders. We were welcomed into the experience. They were not only glad to have us, they were glad for us to be part of who they were. And it was a holy moment. I thought about that in terms of our experiences in Haiti as well, where we literally saw miracles of minimal resources growing, like the feeding of the 5,000, as we gathered together and sang and found that what seemed like not enough became more than enough in a community of faith. Those kinds of moments define us. And sometimes they're not mission trips to other places. They're mission moments like when we've gone into Detroit and Pontiac and Flint. And by going there, redefined who we are and changed in our mind how we saw others in those communities. Instead of thinking that's that city to the north or to the south or we're down there, they became places where we knew names, where we drive through and go, over there's where we, and we understand and have a connection. And we no longer feel the barrier, rather feel welcome to go into those communities and feel like they're part of our community. Right now, you know that the church is doing an online auction to raise money for missions this year. And I hope you'll go to our website and participate in it. It really, one, is a worthy endeavor for us to have resources to continue in mission as we go into 2021. But also, I'm going to tell you, if you haven't been on the website today to see what's being offered, it's mind-blowing as I see some of those items here in the church. The beauty, the craftsmanship, it's worth checking out. But here's the other thing. It's because even in a COVID world, we will not, we cannot stop being in mission. And if you go along the front of the church on um, Walden Roadside, you'll see lawn signs. And they're out there. They've been purchased by members of the congregation. They're out there giving witness. Some of them are in honor and memory of loved ones. Some of them are simply celebrating that missions is the heart of Clarkson UMC. All of these are outpourings of how we want to express ourselves to the world. We are people of that way. This is the way we believe. This is how we will live. And we invite you to join with us. Of course, God moves in a variety of wonderful ways. And as I think of the missions of the church and all the ways in which you've been doing that this past year, you could not be stopped. I think about how that has kept us together and how it's given us a unique identity to the community around us still. I also am reminded right now of my father who's been undergoing some pretty serious health issues, and he's at home. And so neighbors and members of the church have been coming in, plowing his driveway, coming in and giving him medication four times a day, bringing him food more than he could ever eat, calling him, checking on him. Because it's what you do when you have shared history with someone, when your lives are entwined, and when you want to witness to the glory and love and power of Jesus Christ. That's what's happening in his life 
in his community. It's what you replicate here. It's what we do when we engage in missions. So I hope that in the next year, and for years to come, you will understand this church cannot exist without a reliance and commitment to live like they did back in the day. Live missions today as we do. Because it's not about being good. It's about being the people that God intended us to be. And they're finding our joy, our vitality, and yes, our hope. So may God bless all the missions of this church. May you be filled up with power and grace as you live out the mission that you can live with us in this congregation and that God caused you to live out uniquely. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.